Hello, film fans. Welcome to the Film vs. Film podcast. My name is Martin Harries, your host, and I'm joined by the film encyclopedia man, Boaz Dix. We are a couple of filmmakers on occasion, but mainly can't stop yapping about movies. On this podcast, every episode we pick a topic from a film that's coming out at the cinema or on VOD. Myself and Boaz pick our favourite film from that topic, or team up against a guest and battle it out to decide which film will become the greatest film of all time. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe. Please enjoy. Hello, podsters. Welcome to the Film vs. Film podcast. As Lightyear is hitting cinemas... And Disney Plus as well, I guess. I don't know whether it'll be at the same time, but certainly the last films have been just to Disney Plus. But hopefully Lightyear will be in cinemas hmm. as well. And of course, we'll be talking Pixar Films 2, the sequel. And of course, I am joined by a man where it's definitely not a good idea to get him wet. Hello, Boaz Dix. How are you, sir? What the hell is that in a reference to? Luca. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought you were talking about gremlins. I was like, what the fuck's gremlins going to do with this? <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? Oh my All right. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's nice. Good, good. Boaz has definitely watched the films, by the way. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just literal mind blank there. <laughs> so we went to Comic Con, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, MCM Comic Con in London, and we saw a, uh, was it the art director and cinematographer um, on a Zoom call? Yeah, one of the events there, and I found it really interesting. <laughs> Baz, you, you you found the dream world very interesting, <laughs> didn't you? It's a perfect time to nap. Um, yeah, I, I you know I was there light years away. <laughs> I mean, it was interesting. It's just, man, I I hadn't slept at all mm. that night, and like it was very technical, like really technical. So that requires yeah. a lot of concentration. So I, don't know. <laughs> I you know dig that shit up. I I I quite like that. Um, but I mean, Comic Con as a whole was was really cool. Mm. Like my first Comic Con, you've been there for quite quite a few times, so it's just a great experience with loads of cosplayers. <laughs> yeah, just an unbelievable amount of people. Oh my god, it was like a an ocean of human flesh. You know, it was just <laughs> and styrofoam and you know cardboard and many other mm. things. Uh, just oh my god. It's unbelievable. I didn't expect there to be loads of anime cosplays as well. I was like, oh, I have no idea who these people are. <laughs> yeah, there are tons of them. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, my brother is pretty into anime, so um, I got him an anime costume, like season five, Aaron Yeager or whatever. And he was really chuffed about that. And, you know, there were a few people that recognized him as that character, so he was really chuffed about that. But, yeah, Jesus. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of anime characters, and I think... Usually there are a lot of big names that come up. Like last time there was like Tom Hilston and, you know, Charlie uh, Cox. Cox, yeah. And uh, and people like that. But this time it was like you could get autographs with. And there were, do you remember we went into the line to just see who you could get autographs with and pictures with? Yeah. And like, who the hell are all these people? And I think <laughs> it turns out most of them or all of them were like voice actors for animes. I'm like, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't know these people. And if even if I was a fan of these animes. I don't know these people, you know. They're, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that must be kind of the uh, the pain in the ass thing about being a voice actor. Is like, you know, 
Well, it's good and bad. I, I guess nobody's following you around to ask mm. for your picture. So there's anonymity. Yeah. Everyone knows who Luke, uh, Chris Evans is, though, for Lightyear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he voices him. Yeah. Um, I mean, are you looking forward to Lightyear? Yeah, it, it looks pretty cool. I don't think there's ever been a prequel film uh, which is based on a toy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you're basing your story to, in the end, have a toy of this person. Mm. So that that's really interesting, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Well, I, th- I think it's some wonderful world building. Like, this is a movie inside the Toy Story universe that the toy is based off of. So I, I just like the world building there. You go an extra step. I mean, they could do that with anything. They could have... I know any one of the TV adverts could have a fucking long history or, or, you know, the pizza palace, they could go, Oh, the characters in the pizza palace, maybe they were also in movies and stuff. You can just branch off, you know, that definitely does open up the the toy story world. I definitely want to see a pizza planet in this film. Yeah, that'd be great. (laughs) Yeah. And we obviously have done a, Pixar episode before. So don't shout at us if we haven't, if the fact that we haven't picked, you know, Wally, The Incredibles films, or what was the other one we done? <laughs> I can't remember now, but certainly uh, Toy Story 2. There you go. That was it. Yeah. On our first episode on Pixar, we did two, Toy Story 2 versus Wally, and then we've done Incredibles for superhero team films yeah. and Incredibles 2 for um, long awaited sequels. Ah, uh, so, okay. Yeah. yeah. So if you're wondering why we haven't picked those masterpieces, it's because we've covered them already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's no point in, you know, yeah. just repeating ourselves. So my film is uh, Monsters, Inc. I think it's definitely top tier uh, Pixar for me. I mean, there are, are were a lot of other <laughs> Pixar films that were in contention. Certainly a lot that made me cry a lot. Mm. <laughs> I think with this one, I kind of picked it because, yeah, it doesn't make me cry that much, but it's still really awesome. You know, like mm. Onward, I I was an absolute wreck when I watched that one. Mm. I mean, it's it's perfectly fine, that film, but it makes me ball a mm. lot. Um, Up is another great one. I nearly picked Up, to be honest. Again, that one makes you cry in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a marvellous film. Yeah. Yeah, so certainly those. Oh, Coco. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's, again, a really, really strong pixar film um but yeah ultimately i went for monsters inc so what happens in monsters inc well we're introduced to these characters called um sullivan and mike wazowski mike wazowski (laughs) yes uh, kitty (laughs) um and they basically work in a uh, a factory to uh, gets screams from children. So <laughs> Mike is basically like, um, I don't know, the the security or the paperwork guy to Sullivan. He organizes yeah. the doors. It's like his coach, basically. <laughs> so Sully and other monsters uh, go through these doors and basically scare children <laughs> in their beds <laughs> to create scream, which is the energy uh, that powers their, their world, their city. But there's also a conspiracy a kind of lie they're told as well in this world that if a child touches you it will kill you mm. uh, miserably yeah. <laughs> but you soon you soon learn that that is a lie and uh, a character called Bo um escapes boo into uh Bo boo boo kind of ironic that name yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> escapes into the monster world and Boo and Sully like kind of create this um, quite a 
close relationship, I guess. Sully cares for Boo a lot, and Mike, all Mike wants to do is just kind of get rid of Boo and just send her back to... He wants to put that thing back where it came from, also help him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Put, it back, put it back where it came from <laughs> in the real world, but... Uh, another monster called Randall is working with Mr. Waterstone. It's Water News. Water News, yeah. yeah. And create this um, scream machine that sucks screams out of children. So they don't have to use like workforce monsters anymore. Mm. So it's all automated, which is very kind of ironic to what's happening now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then Mike and Sully find out about this conspiracy theory. They tell Mr. Waternose, but they're like, yeah, it was actually me all along. They banish Sully and Mike mm. to... It was Agatha all along. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, to Nepal. And then they some they get back pretty quickly and basically stop uh, Randall and Mr. Waternose. And they end up putting Bo back where she came from mm. with this amazing uh, door chase. It's Boo. <laughs> Bo, Boo, whatever. It's Boo, Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> What do you make of this one then, Boaz? Yeah, man, I love it. Uh, you know, uh, I have very, fo- very, very, very fond memories of this film. Watched it many, many times when I was younger. Yeah, you know, I still think it, it holds up. You know, it's a, it's a good, definitely, it's a good, uh, fun joyride. You know, yeah, this is like twenty years old now. <laughs> yeah, it's mad. Two thousand and one, this came out. So let's get straight into it then with directing. I love the opening scene where a kid is is sleeping in his bed. Uh, he hears a, uh, a noise, sees something in his armchair, which is actually a monster arm. But it's so quick, you can't really tell what it is. Then when we cut back uh, to that shot, it's just the arm of the dressing gown on the chair. Mm. Then there's some great like red glowing eyes and a brilliant silhouette rises up. And then the child screams, the monster screams <laughs> and falls on loads of toys. And it's all revealed to be like a training exercise on a simulator <laughs> for the monsters collecting screams to power their world. It's just like the perfect scene to start off with to explain this monster world. Yeah. But what's amazing is that it's done like a horror film. You know, it's a great visual twist. The film is bookended really well with like the simulator tricking Mr. Waternose near the end. You know, Mike trying to do stand-up comedy with the kids, but just resorting to swallowing the mic to make the kid laugh. Plus at the end when you see the same monster from the start messing up the scare because he fell on toys. You see the toys stuck on his butt at the end, yeah. <laughs> but for a laugh this time. Yeah. So it's just amazing, like visual storytelling in that way. The beginning is very similar to the end kind of thing visually. Mm. But yeah, no, it is tremendous. The intro where it's all very tense and quite scary. And you're like, man, is this a kid's film? And then I love how he just like <laughs> falls on a, uh, you know, a basketball or whatever, a, one of these balls and then it just starts bouncing around the room and landing on things mm. and you're like oh my god and then yeah it's a <laughs> simulation i love all the funny individual monster moments that this film packs in there's so many of them like when men when mike and sully are walking down the street like a red monster is reading a newspaper he sneezes and a fireball <laughs> burns the newspaper yeah like a pink blob moves over a grate and falls through it and his teeth eyes and hat remains on the gate <laughs> on the grate on the scare fl- floor, when all the monsters are preparing to go through the doors, one monster puts like giant false teeth in. <laughs> Another is like brushing the other's teeth. Like one puts a load of eyes on his face and one falls off, you know. Yeah. Some just great 
uh, little visual comedy moments. I also like when Mike Wazowski's girlfriend, after she was, um, conta- you know, she was contaminated in the contamination force or whatever, the child detection agency. Yeah, the CDA. Yeah. She comes back and she's like furious at Mike Wazowski and she's got one of those um, cones for her neck, but then all oh, of her yeah. fucking snakes <laughs> have a cone. You know, yeah, each have a cone. Funny. I thought that was quite funny. I thought the way, like, Sully says goodbye to Bo is so well done, just because they give so much time for it to play out. Like, Sully has to encourage Bo to go in her room and and her bed. You know, they hug. Then when Sully leaves, Bo immediately opens the door and it's just... And all you hear is Kitty, and, and there's just nothing there. It's just the closet. You know, it just breaks your heart. Mm. <laughs> it's so well done. And of course, right at the end, Sully does see Bo again, and all you hear is Kitty. So it is like a really sweet end. Not the saddest Pixar end, I would say. There are, there are quite a few ahead of it, but it's still really, really good. Mm. I mean, I think certainly all the ones I mentioned in terms of um, how they end... They are really, really sad. Um, I, I think you know this is only Pixar's fourth feature, so they were kind of, they were only just beginning to like lean into these sad endings. You know, they were treading their toes into that kind of style of ending. So it's not right up there in terms of the emotional gut punches that a lot of the other Pixar films have, but it's still pretty good. I would say. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, what's your saddest, <laughs> saddest ending for you? <laughs> Uh, I I have a feeling like Toy Story 3, uh, when they were going to die, and they just accept it and hold hands. I mean, Jesus Christ, that was so fucking dark. And (laughs) it's crazy, because it's it's a Pixar film, it's a kid's film. But at the time, you thought, okay, you know, things end in threes. You know, this is the trilogy, it's going to end. And, you know, obviously you didn't know that they were going to make another one. You know, probably they could still make another one. But it was like they had they've they've completed their arcs. Everybody's completed their arcs. Yeah. Like Woody has done everything he needs to do. So is Buzz. So is Jesse. They've they're all finished with an arc, and uh, yeah. so that really freaked me out when I was a kid. Well, I think it was even a teenager, but it still freaked me out. So I, I would say that really stuck with me. I think it was just emotional with the fact that it had been so long since the last film as well. Yeah. You know, the, you're finally excited to see all these characters back again. You're like, oh my God, they're going to kill them? What the <laughs> yeah. hell? Yeah. You do get like, oh no. Yeah. You want to look away. But um, but I still think it was a beautiful moment because it was like, oh yeah. Just how there for each other they are. I think for me, I think a lot of people, it doesn't work amazingly, but um, Onwards is. is yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah, one? I've seen Onwards. Yeah, I thought Onwards was really good. Yeah, that's that's oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of some sometimes I feel like Pixar films need to come with a warning. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like you're gonna cry loads. Yeah, yeah. No, Onwards was very emotional because you know it's to do with family and I guess know. it's a very personal choice as well. Yeah. Pixar is so good at just like like hitting your heartstrings in lots of different ways. So while we're on the topic of directing, I, I've got to go over. Because it's as good as I remember it, but the uh, the fight yeah. scene on the the doors, yeah, that's my favorite. Holy shit! It's still to me <laughs> like when I was younger, that blew me away, and it still blows me away. It's just yeah. it's an incredible concept that all of these doors are portals into you know different closets around every child's house in the world, and just the fact that they're hanging off them, you know, fighting on these these fucking you know doors against randall and stuff and then jumping in through other doors to go out of a you know and they basically like go in some human house and then run to another closet (laughs) 
and then open it up and they're on another door and it was it's so weird it's an incredible uh final fight yeah uh yeah probably probably one of my favorite i think in the in the pixar stuff because it's just the most creative you know because it feels like to me pixar are showing people what animation can do at this time you know in 2001 i feel like they're always trying to one-up themselves in how creative their action is they're like you know that amazing airport scene into the uh in toy story 2 with all the, the different luggage going everywhere well we've got that in this film but way better mm. i love the way like they all travel through all the different countries through each door mm. one door is lying flat on the ground and they jump sideways yes yeah. <laughs> Threw it to Paris, which I thought was a great little touch, and then a, a, a nice comedy moment as well because Mike, Mike Wazowski he jumps through it and he's like, boom, lands on his back. He's like, that was weird, and Sully does that <laughs> yeah. and lands straight on top of him. This crushes him. And also, I love that bit where uh, Randall has unclipped one of the doors and they're falling and they're trying to get in the door. Oh yeah, that was amazing because from then they're like, yeah, open the door. Yeah, but we're, <laughs> open the door. But when they get into the room, obviously they're on solid ground. It's just really, really strange. And there's some ma- some amazing shots where like Sully is hanging off the door while Randall was inside the room trying to kick him off and the background is shaking all over the place while the inside of the room is perfectly still (laughs) so it messes with your mind a bit you know disorientates you in like a really good way Um, so directing score Boaz what are you going for? I mean there are so many good moments and you know they're directed really well oh I was going to say another moment that I quite liked I suppose comedy wise is where he thinks Boo's been like going through the crusher the trash crusher and like in each each section, he keeps fainting. So it's like it's like goes to a bit that mashes it up. It's like, <laughs> it like gets back up. goes into a bit that grinds it up. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, direction. Oh, oh man, uh, I'll go like eight point six or something. Pete Doctor, I think, is certainly a, a, one of the geniuses at Pixar. Who directs uh, his first one here. Mm. Yeah, I, I think I'll probably go. Like an 8.7, I think. So, screenplay then. I do think this film is for adults more than children, (laughs) I would say. Like, there's a lot of visual comedy in here, but the first 20 minutes is all world building of basically two characters going to work. Like, walking down the street, you see what they do on their day job. Mike is filing paperwork. Mike is setting up a date after work with Celia. Sully is basically competing... Uh, to become employee of the month, you know, the, this film is setting up a story that adults understand really well. Mm. You add that they're monsters. You add that they that they scare children with a convoy belt of doors. It becomes really funny. Plus, the irony is that our characters are scaring children in their sleep, yeah. <laughs> you know, on a regular basis. You know, that's why I I love this film as an adult because there's so much humor here for adults as well as children. Mm. There's another like adult type storytelling device here that drives the plot along. That's conspiracy theories, uh, where I kind of talked about that a little in the in the plot synopsis. You know, it, it's well established from the start that if a child touches like a monster, that it will kill them. But it's then made very clear that it's a lie mm-hmm. when Bo arrives in the monster world and she's lifting up uh, Sully's tail. Yeah. And soon after the city goes wild at the restaurant, uh, monsters are saying on TV, 
Well, a kid flew right over me and, and blasted a car with a laser beam. <laughs> yeah. With a laser vision, sorry. Yeah. I tried, and there's another monster who says, I tried to run, but it picked me up with its mind powers and shook me like a doll. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, something's very off here that the monsters are believing this. And it makes the rest of the film have like a, uh, a brilliant like mystery conspiracy thriller element to it. Mm. Even when the conspiracy is revealed, it's it, it feels very true to life in the workplace that machines are taking over our jobs in this mm. in this film. You know, the bad guys want to use machines to extract screams instead of using scarers. Mm. The story is based on very normal real life issues. Mm. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that you can, you know, add like a conspiracy theory element, yeah. a mystery element to essentially an animated film <laughs> is is amazing. I also think it's really great that the the main character he's like the you know the world's greatest scarer and what have you he's the scariest monster. Yeah. But he's like just the sweetest, you know, especially when they yeah. find Boo and stuff. <laughs> and he's very much like a father, very protective. Yeah, sort of questions like what the hell he does, you know, especially when she finds yeah. out, you know, and is like uh, is terrified of him. Uh, I I really like that moment. I thought that moment was really good where um mm. she catches him in the scaring demonstration, like roaring. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, she's like, "Oh my god!" Like he's a monster. Yeah, I just, yeah, I just thought he was sweet. I love his interactions with Boo, and uh, yeah, at, at the start when, well, I, I, I just like how he goes from being afraid of her to like, you know, he's playing with her and stuff like that, and you know, uh, gives her a name and is really cares about her well being. Yeah, and I love how the film makes Sully care for Boo, as you said buyers and sees past the lie of of children being dangerous for example boo is is hiding in the toilets you know sully is pretending to be like a scary monster even though he is one <laughs> certainly to the other monsters you know to find boo again and it's done in a very like playful manner there are scenes where sully is trying to show Bo boo <laughs> that he's not scary because he's off duty then the door scenes where they try and put Bo back to her world in the first one mike is prepared to just chuck her in a brown austrian door i think because you hear <laughs> yodeling or whatever yeah. i think yodeling's switzerland right yeah it's kind of that area isn't it yeah, same area <laughs> you know sully's like that's not her door and then in the second door scene mike has the right door uh for Bo, and sully is prepared to put her back at that point in the story in her bedroom as soon as but as soon as mike says randall is involved he's like no something's not right but because you really feel the affection in the animation that sully has has for Bo, that decision uh from sully works really well i feel like that this is a bold move because if you don't get that right the audience could easily be like well why would you not put Bo back you know i think randall being super shifty works with that decision too you know so i think it's quite a brave storytelling device because if you don't get that relationship right the whole film falls apart mm. so i like the reveal of mr waternoos being the main bad guy and that randall is just like a pawn and mm. After Mike and Sully find out about the plan to capture children and just suck screams from them using a machine, Mike and Sully go and tell Mr. Waternose the truth. Mike Mike explains everything. Then Mr. Waternose says, does anyone else know about this? <laughs> Which is interesting. You know, it piques your curiosity about this character. You know, something's not right here. Then you see 
uh, Bo's door and you're like, oh, okay, he's just going to put her back. And then you see it leave and a big metal door arrives with, with Randall. Then Mike says, uh, sir, that's not her door. Yeah. <laughs> and then he says, I know it's yours. Yeah. And then Mike and Sully get banished. And it's a great twist that has an emotional gut punch because moments before that, as you said, Bowers, Mr. Waternose forces Sully to, to roar at this on the simulator and Bo is like hiding next to the bed and gets really scared of him. So you have like double jeopardy there, you know, Mike and Sully are banished. Plus Bo's uh, genuinely really scared of Sully now. Mm. So it's just a really uh, great twist with, you know, double edged sword kind of thing. Like this is really bad for Sully and Mike plus Bo is really fucking scared of, of Sully. So it's, it's brilliant. Mm. Yeah, and I definitely do like that twist of uh, Waternoose is the main villain. Well, mainly because you, you know Randall's a villain. Basically, when he shows up, you know he's going to be the villain. You know, even before you mm-hmm. get like the actual plot set up, it's like he's shifty. He hates the yeah. main characters. Like he's the bad guy. You know, just for definite. And I like how they build that up. And it's like with what he was doing it at. Uh, night in in Bo's room, and then he kicked the plot going off, and he wants the kid, and and he kidnaps Mike, and blah blah blah. But then it's uh, yeah, it's, it's just a really great twist when they tell Waternoose, uh, where it's like, of course he's going to know the answers because in uh, opposition, he's always been set up as he's a good guy. You know, he's the guy that explains the you know monsters universe to the new student so he's one of the first characters we actually hear speak Mm. and uh, he's very friendly with sully you know he seems like a nice guy you know a nice creature even though he looks really old and got yeah (laughs) spiders uh, spider legs for legs Yeah, so you should really see it coming, really. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a clever thing though to make him old. Like as a, a creature, especially when he's chasing Sully, he is horrific. <laughs> you know, he like yeah. I, I love how he runs with his spider legs and like on walls and shit. You know, it's it's really yeah. freaky. But you know, the point I'm making is like you you forget that he's he is actually like a creepy design because he seems like so you know grandfatherly. Mm, yeah. And then uh, when the twist happens, you're like, oh okay, yeah, that makes sense. Plus, it's really interesting timing with that reveal because really it's triple jeopardy uh, really for Sully because Mike is really pissed off with Sully right now in in Nepal. Mike says we were about to break the scare record. Then Sully says none of that matters now. Then Mike is questioning their relationship, saying what about everything we've worked for? What about Celia? What about me? I'm your best friend. Don't I matter? So I quite like the fact that the reveal of the conspiracy comes out fairly early in quite a short film to give these characters time to talk about their relationship to one another. So, you know, it's great emotionally satisfying storytelling Mm. for me that they commit time to just two monsters talking about their issues. Mm. (laughs) Funny lines, scary feet, scary feet, scary feet, the kids awake, scary feet, scary feet, scary feet, the kids asleep (laughs) is a great one to begin with (laughs) from Mike Wazowski. Yeah. Come on, you could use the exercise. I could use the exercise. Look at you. You have your own climate. <laughs> and when they're walking to work, yeah, it's a good one. Oh, what was it? Where he was saying, like, that giant chicken monster. It's like, you see, he walks to work. He's like, big deal. Oh, yeah. Five set steps and he's there. <laughs> yeah. How does he get through the doors? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I don't get that. <laughs> he must 
do like I don't know maintenance to the roof yeah. or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the only job he can get. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he just sticks his his foot through the sunroof and just puts a little toe through the door. It's like that would scare <laughs> the shit out of me. He's got to sign in somehow. Yeah. So. Uh, no. Oh, actually, that was another funny bit where he shows the the crushed box to Mike Wazowski. And he's like, where's Bo? And he's like, <laughs> and hands him the box. And it's got the little eye for the, the costume that they made for her. And he goes, yeah. I can still hear her voice. And you can actually hear her <laughs> voice. because she's, like, she's talking with the other kids. Are there two of them? <laughs> I like Mike. She's like, hey, I can hear her too. And then he hears other kids. How many of them are in there? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was quite funny. I'm watching you, Wazowski. <laughs> Always watching. That's a really good impression. I think that's like your best. Thank you. Yeah. So all the others were terrible, were they? Oh, yes, okay. they were just fucking abysmal. <laughs> you know, that, that's the only one that sounds anything like Just wait until your film, dude. <laughs> just wait. <laughs> George and I are like brothers. 2319, we have a 2319. Yeah, that was funny. What a bastard. I mean, there's no friendship there. I do, I do, I do love how... Um, like when he gets, uh, there's another sock on him, and he just like he he starts yelling it again. And he just shoves the sock down yeah. his throat and like <laughs> balls him up and throws him through the door. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, that's a great running joke actually. Because yeah. they they I think it's two other times before. Yeah, and then that's the third one where he throws him in the door. Yeah, so it's a great running joke there. But that's the thing they pack so much into like ninety minutes. It's insane. <laughs> there's a great one from Mike Wazowski. <laughs> where he's talking to Celia at the restaurant and she's and he's like just the other day someone asked me who was the most beautiful monster in all of Monstropolis you know what I said what did you say I said Sully (laughs) and see Sully in the window that's cool also there was another running gag from the beginning at the end of the film where um he's gonna be in in the monsters (laughs) ink advert and like everybody gets a chance to shine in the advert. And then right at the end of the advert, there's a wide shot of all the staff and the logo covers his head. <laughs> and he's uh, and he's like, oh, my God. And uh, Sully's like, I'm so sorry, buddy. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, and he's like, I was on TV. <laughs> and then at the end, they do the same thing where it was like Monsters, Inc. magazine and the barcode is over his face. Yeah. I'm on a magazine. Okay, look, I think I have a plan here. Using mainly spoons, we dig a tunnel under the city and release it into the wild. <laughs> Roz, my tender oozing blossom, you're looking fabulous today. Is that a new haircut? <laughs> but I think my favorite one is actually when Wazowski gets caught by Randall and he puts Mike in the in the sucking machine <laughs> that sucks screams out. And Randall says, Wazowski, where is it, you little one-eyed creditin? And then Mike says, okay, first of all, it's creep. If you're going to threaten me, do it properly. <laughs> I thought that was really clever writing. Uh, screenplay score, Baz, what are you going for? I think I'll go maybe like uh, like an eight. I think the script is awesome, to be fair. <laughs> the fact that there's so much like adult comedy in there, as well as just simple visual comedy for kids as well and i really do think this is an animated film for adults more than children i think adults get way more out of it i think that's just so brave when it come out 2001 so i think it's it's just genius the mind of pete doctor it's really clever so i'm going to probably go like a solid nine for me so acting then voice acting rather 
I think Billy Crystal does an amazing job here as Mike Wazowski. Yeah, he's great. He has so much dialogue, and most of the time he has to say it really quickly in this very like frantic way. Plus, there's a musical moment for the character. Go on, balance. Put that thing back where it came from, also help me, also help me, also help me, and cut. <laughs> uh, I like how he does that again, where he's like... Uh, somebody says to Randall, they're, they're doing a play, and he's like, she's out of our hair. <laughs> it's just an incredible performance by Billy Crystal. It's just so energetic. And at the end, other end of the spectrum, Billy Crystal is amazing when Mike is questioning whether he means anything to Sully in the pool. You know, he's emotional, but not trying to be overdramatic in his sadness, kind of, you know, matching up his voice acting specifically for animation i would say in certainly mm. in that moment if that makes any sense i love how pixar like cast their voices in their films especially this one i think they get it absolutely spot on like mike wazowski is a character that rambles a lot and has amazing like temper tantrums and and cheesy one-liners to celia you would think Billy Crystal would be perfect for that. It's Billy Crystal. <laughs> you know, for Randall, you'd want like a slimy, weaselly type voice. You'd think Steve Buscemi. It's Steve Buscemi. <laughs> for Sully, you want like a big cuddly bear of a voice with a slight edge. You want some scariness there, I would say. You would think John Goodman. It's John Goodman. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just perfectly cast. Yeah, it is perfectly cast. I think I'll change my score for screenplay to okay. 8.5 okay <laughs> <laughs> i've done it again people I've done it. <laughs> yeah any other voices do you like in this film Boaz? oh the abominable snowman even though he's oh, not yeah. in it for that long i thought he was fucking hilarious he's in a lot of pixar films isn't he yeah he plays the pig from uh the toy story films yeah john ratzenberger yeah that was quite funny you know, because you don't expect him to sound like that. He shows up. He's like, welcome to the Himalayas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's just like the nicest abominable snowman ever. Yeah. He's so good. Yeah. He's the underminer in Incredibles. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was true. Mac in Cars. He's quite a few characters in Cars. I think he's like one of the construction workers in Up, like near the beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the one he hits in the face with a leaf blower. And even... Um, Rob Peterson, who plays Roz, Roz. You know, it's a bloke <laughs> doing really? Roz. Yeah. Was it you? No. <laughs> no, it's not me. I wish it was, though. I think it could have been you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm watching you, Mike Wazowski. Always watching. I was tempted to do that voice during the intro, but I was like, I need a lot of water after. So. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. You need a lot of water, Eddie, when you're doing that voice. I've done it again. Right. (laughs) And also, it's amazing to read that the great James Coburn, one of the Magnificent Seven and one of the three survivors of The Great Escape, voices Mr. Waternose. His now gravelly voice is just brilliant for the bad Mm. guy. It's just amazing to, to read that. I don't know if you know James Coburn. He's... Uh, like a western legend he's one of the top actors of that era yeah uh what was it he's in um duck you sucker or a fistful of dynamite i've watched that a lot i've watched that film a lot so yeah i know this guy sergio leone film yeah yeah so it's just amazing to read that he's in in this film his graveliness you know like one you know he has a sense uh, a feeling of authority but kind of nurturingness and you know sort of old wisdom but then when he's like bad and evil it's it's not 
it does feel like a, a nice evolution from that because it's like, yeah, no, yeah. he's serious, he's scary, and he's like mm. desperate, yeah, you know? and he's like, listen, like, yeah, and just kind of a lot, and you know, his graveliness for that just makes him sound even cooler as a villain. So, never really played like a villain in his career, I don't think, yeah. just off the top of my head. So it's kind of cool that he is a villain in itself. Mm. So, favorite voice acting performance, Spurs? Who you going with? So there are two to me that really stick out. I think number one has got to be Billy Crystal. Yeah, um, yeah, I think he's just my favorite. But I think number second would have to be Randall uh, Steve Buscemi. Um, yeah. I just really like how he plays the character. You know, especially when he's out there threatening. Actually, one of my favorite scenes with him is where he's threatening Mike uh, to get the the kid. And you remember he's like he winds his arms to. You know, when the clock oh, strikes yeah. this. And, you know. <laughs> and uh, he's just really intimidating. And, you know, you, yeah, you you do want to see him get his ass kicked, you know. So he's very unlikable. Well, he's just got one of those voices, hasn't he, that's just Weasley. Yeah. And... Weasley, yeah. I think that's just the term, isn't it, Weasley? <laughs> yeah. And I also like, you know, the speech that he gives, like, uh, when he's going to kill Sully. He's, like, stepping on his fingers, you know. I'll take care of the oh, kid yeah. and stuff like that. But yeah. yeah, just very sort of slimy, untrustworthy, mm. you know, backstabby sort of voice, you know. Just does a really good job, I think. I think my my favorite is Billy Crystal, yeah. As same as you about as he just has a broad range of of like emotional voices, I guess. Score Bowers for the voice acting. Yeah, I might go 9 actually. <sighs> I don't know. I'm not sure it goes high as a 9. I do feel like in this film especially that the actors are really going for it and they're, they're doing everything they can with their voices to portray these characters and you really feel that. So I'll go like an 8.6, I think. Right, let's add up the scores then for Monsters, Inc. Monsters, Inc. gets 52.4. So, Mr. Encyclopedia Man, what is your film for Pixar Films 2? I picked uh, Luca. Nice. So why did you pick this one? I feel like it's possibly niece inspired. <laughs> yeah, she uh, she watched this many, 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 many times. Yeah. So what happens in Luca? Luca is about the titular character uh, called Luca and his friend Alberto, who are two uh, sea monsters living in Italy uh, next to the island of Portoroso. And his parents are very overprotective of him. You know, he's a, like a fish shepherd. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they want him to like just stay, do his job, and just don't venture to the humans above because they're dangerous. But he ends up meeting Alberto, who is a sea monster who frequently goes to the surface. There's also another caveat. Whenever a sea monster like gets out of uh, you know the sea and dries off they look human you know he he gets out of the sea and he hangs out with alberto his parents find out and they're going to like keep him you know on the bottom of the ocean with his uncle and he leaves with alberto and they go to the neighboring uh, island portoroso meet a friend uh, a girl who becomes their friend julia they want to get a Vespa moped. Yeah, not a drink. <laughs> yeah, and drive off uh, far away. So they enter the Portarosa Cup, which is a um, uh, like a competition where you have to uh, do racing, eating pasta, and swimming. And if you know, and and then you'll get enough money to buy a Vespa. That's like their adventure. Yeah, I, you know, I, I enjoyed it. Mm. Like the, the the style and the look of it. 
it looked amazing. Mm. You know, one of Pixar's best looking films, I would say. Mm. Certainly, like with Pixar now, their animation with the worlds that they create, it's pretty incredible. In some shots, it literally looks real. Yeah. And yet, when you have like the animated characters interact with the world, it doesn't feel jarring at all, like we were talking about in in dinosaur last time yeah i think you know it's very italian (laughs) yeah you know it's very italian culture inspired i don't know whether they lean too much into that and sacrifice story a bit it's fine you know it's perfectly fine (laughs) i think that's what how i would describe it really it's not like high concept pixar like peak doctor's work it's still really good. It's, it just didn't blow me away or anything. That's the, that's the thing with Pixar. It's like they have a really high bar with their with their films, and I don't think Luca gets to that bar. I don't think. How about you? My opinions. I, I still do really like it. I can sort of yeah. see what you're going for. What what you're sort of saying, like it is quite cliche, and you know the Italian stuff stops getting funny at a certain point and you're like this is kind of like a parody of italian culture at some point and so i kind of get that visually though i do think it is incredible it is it it looks phenomenal i just think there's no getting past that and even though it's kind of cliche it achieves the beats that it's going for i would say yeah I, i mean from a directing point of view i think it's it just looks good I don't know, even when they're doing like imagination sequences and dream sequences, I think they're just really good. I also think it's kind of interesting to to have a story that's more about a, a friendship um, that focuses yeah. really heavily yeah. on a friendship rather than a I mean, there is a romance in it, but it, it's you know, it's kind of secondary to to the friendship between uh, Luca and Alberto and I, I kind of like that. It actually reminded me a lot of Call Me By Your Name <laughs> some elements. Not just because of the Italian setting, but kind of just the relationships in there as well. <laughs> I mean, they could they could have really gone all out if they wanted to, and 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 done something very very different, and actually make them in love. Because before, like he's get, got a thing for Julia, it really does feel like they're going that way. And I mean, you know, that would be interesting because you know, there's never been like mm. a same sex, uh, you know, Pixar couple or whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's just never happened. And there are, you know, many, many love stories between heterosexual love stories in Pixar films and just every kind of film. It would have been interesting because it's like, they are such a focus. Do you know what? It could go that way, you know, but it doesn't. Yeah. So directing then, like the first time Luca changes into human form is kind of, it kind of just happens. Uh, It didn't feel particularly dramatic, but I like the nice big wide shot of alberto sitting down watching luca freak out yeah but i think they were going for the whole idea like nope no thank you not for me mentality immediately not liking being a human but then like the second transformation for luca is again not that dramatic but the entertaining part of the scene is is the physicality of luca trying to walk yeah and not the transformation which i wasn't expecting and i thought was a really nice surprise actually because he's like trying to walk, but <laughs> like trying to like swim in, yeah, you know, using his fin. It was quite funny, but his fin's not there. Yeah. <laughs> the dream sequence where Luca is dreaming about riding a Vespa with Alberto through fields and stars, and Luca touches the moon like it's a fish. 
you know looks amazing you know it has this like amazing canvas painting feel i got from it Mm. but it did feel a bit forced to me you know like we need something visually different now in this world that we've established i feel like in a lot of other pixars that look would be established into the into the world in that film and not just a dream if that makes sense you know, it did feel like you could easily lose that scene. Then later you have Julia showing Luca all these books on Italian culture. Then all of a sudden Luca is running on the rings of Saturn in space, then flying a contraption that Da Vinci made all around the Colosseum. I did feel it was a bit shoehorned in for me, especially when the Italian landscape that they're in anyway is stunning to look at so did you get that sense or no i can't say i ever got okay i i I think like those parts were kind of my favorite parts in the movie where it just kind of (laughs) it's a fairly realistic setting it's a fairly like you know mundane story and when you have like the dream sequences there or you know where he's thinking and shit i think it just gets just very visually interesting you know i will agree yeah i suppose it's not strictly necessary (laughs) And it doesn't really yeah. add anything, but you know, it's uh, it's more to do with the visuals of it. It's just more to do with mm. oh, it's just some stuff to put on the screen that looks really nice and is very creative. Uh, so I'll I'll get you there from like a script point of view, but from like a purely technical cinematic point of view, I, mm. I do really like those scenes. You know, maybe they could have been incorporated better into the story but i do still think they were pretty awesome and uh you know i didn't really have too much of a problem with them because you have all kinds of dream scenes and or fantasy scenes in movies so it didn't really distract me too bad i think that's probably my issue is the fact that you expect that a lot in live action films when there is a dream sequence you're like oh cool it's a dream sequence now in a live action film but this isn't live action yeah (laughs) and it feels like pixar are doing their own like live action film you know but it but it's just animation (laughs) so it just feels a bit weird to me Uh, okay so i feel like when the pixar does stuff like that it's part of the world that they've already established but Mm. with this it's not yeah i've only watched this film once so maybe it might play better on repeat viewings but Mm. it did feel a bit shoehorned in for me I mean, there's a lot of like brief funny moments as well where Lucas's parents arrive in the human town and when they turn human, uh, Daniela, Lucas' mother, dives on his dad because he looks human. That was quite funny. Yeah, <laughs> and all the cat scenes with Luca is is pretty funny, like um, scolding at him because the cat knows he's a sea monster. Mm. I love the little bit where they're out fishing with Massimo, the guy with one arm, uh, Julia's dad, and he brings the cat with them for some reason (laughs) um fishing you know and it dives on lucas's face and somehow launches it (laughs) into the ocean then it looks terrified when it's all wet and then it's perfectly happy when luca gives uh the cat a fish you know uh air coley pours olive oil on his teammate and shoves pasta down another teammate's mouth that was pretty funny as well so again like typical pop pixar just like monsters inc there's a lot of like really great funny little moments that really work really well just on a visual level uh i also like you know when they're uh well several scenes like so one when they're going around the town and he kind of realizes it's dangerous because you have this almost kind of lovely sort of i don't know dreamlike quality it's sun sun is shining they're interacting with people they're saying hey out of the way stupido and just having fun and there's all this nice music and the oh, yeah 
And I just kind of like the transition from this seems like an amazing place and there's all this great music and, you know, uh, the way things are shot and everything looks amazing. But then when he realizes uh, there are like harpoons and pictures of people stabbing fish and like statues of destroying (laughs) fish men and you're like, ah, and he's just like, I think we should get the fuck out of here. (laughs) And I, I quite like how that was set up. And then also mm. when they went to Julia's father, Miyasamo, they went to his, Massimo, uh, yeah. yeah, into his house and he's got like harpoons and stuff. And he seemed mm. very intimidating. And I thought that was really funny where uh, uh, he spits out like his water onto um, Alberto's face and like he turns and then he like oh, yeah. throws him under the table before they turn around. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was, yeah, some really good uh, yeah timing with the comedy and stuff. Yeah, some great visual comedy with with when they get wet and uh, they turn to see monsters and the, the kind of like the choreography of of the characters like somehow not seeing them as sea monsters. Um, there's a great bit when they're when they're like sleeping outside in this treehouse and it rained, <laughs> so they wake up as sea monsters. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Then Julia's about to like wake them up and they have to scamper down the tree and hide and stuff of all else that was kind of cool just in terms of like the choreography of it and there's a brilliant moment after alberto and luca win the race and his parents reveal that they're sea monsters too then there's these random characters that reveal that they're sea monsters (laughs) that was hilarious Mm. but then uh there was a wide shot with quite a few characters that still have their umbrellas up Mm -hmm. They're like, yeah, we're just watching what's happening. I swear some of uh, someone should be going around saying, remove your umbrella, please. Remove your umbrella. Are you a sea monster? <laughs> just cutting them off at the handles. Um, I just thought that was quite yeah. funny. The fact that you have this big wide shot and there's still people with umbrellas. I'm like, hmm, <laughs> that looks dodgy to me. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, when uh, Alberto gets outed as a sea monster, I thought that was shot really well. Just thought that was really good when uh, you know he jumps into the water like, will your school accept sea monsters? You know, and he jumps <laughs> in to show Luca that you know uh, this is ridiculous, like trying to pretend to be a person and so. And Julia like tries to pick him up and sees the tail, and then how he's shot is he looks like really large and imposing. I just love how mm. it was all shot. I think it really complemented the scene very well. So I feel like the like the the Pixar's like lighting engines or whatever are, are amazing now they just look so realistic it's probably not the right word but well yeah realistic and it the worlds just feel really real with with mm. the lighting and and the way they're shot now i think my favorite scene shot is i really like the bike chase after alberto and luca turn into into sea monsters uh Coley is chasing them with a harpoon and there's a great there's great like low angles staying with the characters which is always great which is always a great advantage in animation with action scenes is that you can put the camera exactly where you want there's a great shot where uh, uh Coley throws the harpoon and the camera is right next to it as it flies through the air but the harpoon is kind of overtaking the camera and i thought that looks really impressive mm. uh for me i just like so many scenes in this in this in the film actually my favorite I think shot slash scene because of where it's positioned in the film, but is where uh, Luca decides to save Alberto, even though it means like outing himself. He flies straight through the rain 
and starts to yeah. turn. I think that transfo- transformation is like visually the most impressive transformation. Rain is just striking mm. him, and he just kind of turns into the the creature very gradually, while you have this yeah. music, you know, like hero music crescendoing. It's done kind of mm. in slow motion. <laughs> I thought, like visually, that that was really very stunning. I think a lot of the dream sequences were really kind of very interesting. Yeah, visually they're amazing. How it's conveyed, how it's shot, while not strictly necessary, uh, it, it's almost like putting <laughs> a lot of flavor on a on a on a fairly mundane dish. It's like it doesn't really change what the the dish is, but it is still you still got to give them props. Mac and you know, you still got to give them props for you know all the stuff that they added. Uh, so directing score for me, I think I will go, I still go pretty high. I think as, as we've said, it looks stunning. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, I want to go to Italy right now, <laughs> even though it's an animated world. I'm like, yeah, I want to go to Italy right now. So I think I'll probably go like an eight, 8.6. How about you, sir? I, I would go an 8.9. Nice. Yeah. Right. Screenplay then. I quite like how the first half hour of the film is quite character driven well i guess the whole film is very character driven actually but certainly the the first half hour is um luca and alberto just getting to know each other you know alberto showing luca what it's like to be human but like he knows everything but it doesn't come across as annoying which i think is impressive making a character who thinks he knows everything feel charming and and innocent is very delicately done i love how the how much time they give the characters just messing around on the mainland and i think in a lot of other animated films you would you would have moved on by now but that's why it's a big shame that i didn't feel much at the end at all when luca goes off on the train at the end um which is disappointing for a pixar film and it might be because there's not enough for adults in this film possibly like there was in Monsters Inc., there was a mm-hmm. lot of storytelling elements elements for adults. Whereas this, I'm not sure there is. But but I really liked the beginning, the fact that you just spend time with these characters, and um, yeah, I really enjoyed their interactions. When they get to the human town, the plot like kicks in where they meet uh, Julia, and they enter this triathlon race so they can buy a Vespa bike so they can be free. But that's all there is to the plot, I guess. I feel like the stakes aren't very high in this film. Yes, all the water stuff is very entertaining where they have to hide themselves when they get wet because they look like sea monsters. But I feel like the characters aren't really that very threatening. If a character sees them as a sea monster, I didn't feel like they were going to be in big trouble because of all the characters seem to be really nice yeah other than obviously uh, uh coley obviously although he's a kind of he's a kind of pathetic villain he's not very threatening he's just yeah. a jackass but you you do feel yeah. like if you stood up to him you could break his teeth like you know he's <laughs> yeah i think that's probably a failing in the uh in the script writing process you know maybe a more mm. threatening villain or maybe have actual shots of them murdering fucking see people like, at the beginning <laughs> so then you know that yeah, these friends these friendly villages are not so friendly they will fucking fuck them up because i think tonally you could do that absolutely could but still that. keep the family friendly tone you don't have to have blood everywhere right? yeah of, <laughs> of course you could well I, i'm just saying you know even though this is um not pixar but uh, in uh the hunchback in Notre dame judge frollo yeah. and the authorities are a threat because they are flat yeah. out murdering gypsies you know, at the beginning, you know, yeah. and he fucking kicks uh, Quasimodo's mother to death. 
You know, that was allowed yeah. on a cartoon. And he was terrifying, absolutely terrifying as a Disney villain. I don't think he gets enough recognition. And so maybe that's why it comes across as maybe a, li- a little less adult and a little more childish because they're not, they're not really pushing the villains into that sort of territory. Like they're more, yeah. they're more like bumbling idiots rather than a, like a genuine threat. Yeah. And when Julia's dad sees Luca and Alberto as sea monsters at the end, I knew he would be fine with it yeah, because he was never very threatening no. at all. It would be, it would be more of a surprise if he just like killed yeah. them. You know, that would have been a surprise. <laughs> yeah. He certainly earned a bit of a living, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Get some dosh for him. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, Massimo needed to be more threatening and, and cuddly at the same time. I, f- I feel like the cuddliness mm. overtook the threateningness of that character. <laughs> uh, also, actually, you know, when uh, he, you know, Albert, because that's a missed opportunity, when Albert is, was like looking at his arm, about, like what happened to his arm, and he goes, a sea, mo- sea monster ate it. And he's like, ah, I'm only joking, I was born this way. I was like, man, that would have been a much better, yeah. that would have been a <laughs> yeah. much better arc if his arm was eaten by a sea monster. Yeah, I don't get why that's a joke. Yeah, it's, like, that would work perfectly. <laughs> it would work perfectly. I think when it comes to like the threats in this film, it's way too sanitized. So it's like all yeah. of the sea monsters are good people. All of the humans are good people. There's only one jerk, Ercole, and he's not like a, like a serial killer or anything like that. He's just a jerk and uh, not even that threatening. So I think when it comes to the threat yeah. level in this film, it's, it, it, it's, very, it's very mild. <laughs> it's very, very mild. And I think they could have upped that. It would have been great, as as I just said, if actually they didn't take that as a joke. And Miesimo Mie is really trying to kill yeah. sea monsters because he really hates them. Yeah, so I do feel like that is a missed opportunity with that character. Yeah. 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 I think the end goal for the characters isn't very interesting, but as the film develops, Luca gets closer to Julia and is more interested in getting to know her. There's brilliant, like, subtle tension developing to, between Luca and Alberto. Alberto feels threatened that Julia doesn't know what Luca needs and wants. Luca is uh, deviating from the Vespa plan, so the longer the film went on, uh, the more I enjoyed it, I think. Then the stakes felt a lot higher uh, if they got wet because of Luca's friendship with Julia, if she saw them compared to anybody else. So I quite liked the fact that you know Luca's interests uh, go from Alberto to Julia. I thought that was kind of mm. really interesting. And when Alberto gets fed up with Julia, he reveals himself as a sea monster, as you said, but I was interacting at the beach, which looked amazing. You know, thinking Luca would reveal himself too, but what I didn't expect was Luca to brutally shout sea monster and Alberto <laughs> swims away. And I was like, oh shit, you've completely betrayed yeah, him. Yeah. So I quite liked how the film switches Luca's attentions from, from Alberto to Julia. It felt very genuine and there was enough character work to make that moment work really well. But I felt like Luca's feelings are feeling very like guilty about uh, what happened. Like, happened very quickly and it was just like yeah i will win the race for you alberto i would i would have wanted more of luca and julia together before yeah. changing his mind like i think that scene is incredible like where you know i, I mean i've just said it before like from a visually a visual point of view but even from a yeah. storytelling point of view you know when he betrays him but i think you're right it does kind of get glossed over very quickly not only that it's like he betrays him to to keep his secret from Julia, but she immediately finds out. <laughs> like she just throws yeah. a glass of water at him. So you're kind of thinking, 
Yeah. Which, surely that should have happened later as well. It's like, you yeah. know, he doesn't even get the moment to, you know. And she's not even that shocked she either when care, she throws know? a glass of yeah. water. It's like, oh, yeah, you're a sea monster. Yeah. Okay. We still need to win the race. Yeah. But, like, hello, <laughs> you've, you've just been working with a sea monster yeah. the whole time. <laughs> surely, shouldn't this blow your mind? You know, but. Um... And your dad is a sea monster hunter or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she is con- she is concerned of him. It, it does seem like it from that point. It is trying to get through the plot, the rest of it, at breakneck yeah, speed. Yeah. I think it should have paced that stuff out more, so you know we can we can be uncomfortable with the tension for a little bit, you know. So mm. it may feel, uh, you know, because that might be what what the ending's lacking: the fact that there isn't a long enough period of tension between the characters that when everything is resolved, you feel like, oh, mm. you know, that that's a relief. Because everything was yeah. kind of resolved fairly quickly. It's like, you know, you, you only had that tension happening towards the end. So after the betrayal mm. where you're like, okay. I, th- I think maybe they could have let that stew for a little while. But I, I think maybe the mm. fact that they had the betrayal happening much later in the film meant that, ah, shit, you know, we're kind of running out of time here. Mm. So maybe that was a pacing issue. I just feel like there's a perception that, um, animated films have to be like ninety minutes. Yeah, it's. It, I, I don't think they have to, but it's. Yeah, I feel like this film could have been an ec- at least an extra ten minutes long yeah. just to make that last third work better yeah. and just have more time with with what these characters are dealing with. Yeah, with the fact that Julia is seeing yeah. her her new friends and sea monsters. Yeah. You know, especially when the film commits so much time in the beginning to establish a relationship between Luca yeah. and Alberto. I, th- I think maybe what I would have done differently is, yeah. I, I agree with you, like add an extra 15 minutes and have the betrayal part like create a new arc and don't solve it in two seconds with like an, uh, apologies and stuff. Like, and literally have uh, 15 minutes of Julia is terrified of Alberto. Yeah. And it's like, I can't believe her sea monster was... And he's, she's bad-mouthing him and stuff. He gets to hang out with her but you know it's like oh my god she's saying all this terrible stuff about my friend that i've betrayed my friend let him sit with it for a bit and yeah. then later and even have them try and actively kill alberto and then he's got to make a choice and he's got to you know save alberto yeah. and and reveal himself or like maybe julia is threatening to tell her dad about yeah. it or whatever yeah um, exactly yeah so she has you know some some emotional conflict there do i tell my dad or not yeah. Oh, actually, I'll tell you what that's somewhat like is, um, do you remember Brave? I think they did it really well. Yeah. So, you know, her mother's... I really like Brave. I thought Brave was really good. <laughs> but her mother's a bear, and, like, her father just will not believe that that's the case. And, uh, yeah. you know, he tries to kill her several times, and it's, like, out of desperation. And finally, it's revealed that it's the mother, and you just think, oh, my God, mm. thank God for that. You know, you're fucking seeing the truth now, you <laughs> moron. And uh, that felt good. I think I think they could have done something like that. I mean, these are fairly major criticism we're talking about the plot. I do think it is it is nice enough the plot, and it gets through it. And uh, mm. there are sweet moments, and I do like all of the moments of of, of just them hanging out, the friendship between Alberto yeah. and Luca, um, his parents. Well, the friendship between them two because they they're quite funny with trying to find uh, mm. find Luca in the the crowd. So there's a lot of good relationships, but um, I think you're right. It's just there's not enough like tension. There's not mm. enough stakes. I feel like maybe the film is kind of embracing like the Italian culture a bit too much. Yeah, of like this very like chilled, relaxed holiday type 
feel to the story yeah it does really feel like that yeah so because of this environment the story is not allowing itself to to build the stakes up enough yeah because of this cultural feel you don't want to break from this tone yeah i i, I think i might agree because as as we were saying before yeah. it's like seriously there aren't apart from urkele who's a jerk there are no other bad people everybody is a good person yeah like all the villages are good um Julia's family is good. They're all very chill, you know, even Luca's family, all of the sea monsters he know, knows. They're mm. all nice, non-violent, okay people. And yeah, I think, yeah, may- yeah. maybe that is a, a sort of, it does, get, get, I think you're right, give the feeling like it's a very chill, uh, almost picturesque yeah. place. So, you know, maybe uh, you don't get you don't get the drama with that. I feel like, weirdly, this film, this story could work a lot better as a live action film <laughs> <laughs> and not pixar or an animation i think a lot of the emotional stuff would probably work better in live action i think i know that's a weird thing to say but (laughs) i just get that feeling you know (laughs) uh funny lines what's wrong with you stupid (laughs) luca i need you to punch his heart (laughs) (laughs) uncle ugo oh yeah now walking is just like swimming but without fins or a tail or also there's no water (laughs) otherwise uh it's like the exact same thing (laughs) Luca stares at Caroli's Vespa. Hey, stop looking. She's too beautiful for you. <laughs> yeah. uh, but my favorite line is from Uncle Ugo. He's talking about his, you know, life in the deep sea. <laughs> and he says, The mouth opened, the whale carcass go in. Yes, good. I recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought <laughs> he's such an amazing yeah. character. Man, you sound like fucking Borat when you were doing that. <laughs> well, it's voiced yeah. by Sasha Baron Cohen. Is it really? So, you know. Jesus, okay. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You got a favourite line then? <laughs> there aren't that many memorable ones, no, are there's there? Not, there's fair. not that, uh, a huge amount. Oh, I like that. Uh, okay, so I like the bit where he's trying to explain to him uh, life on Earth. You know, life on dry land. Yeah. And he was like, you know, you, know, you can breathe in, fill your lungs, and like the, over there, there's the sun. And he's like... Ah, and he, oh, yeah, he looks look. straight at it and he's like, <laughs> hey, don't look at it. No, I'm kidding. You can look at it. And he's like, ah. Yeah, 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 that, was yeah that was funny. <laughs> One bit that I thought was very funny, but it's not a line. It's more an action. Yeah. So I suppose this would go in scripting, but also in direction, is uh, yeah. the whole football fight that her, his oh, mother yeah. has. That was so weird. I thought that was awesome. I found that a bit jarring. I'm like, how the hell are you all of a sudden really good at football? I, I just love that, yeah. Although, yeah, yeah. I, I never actually thought about the, the logic behind it, but um, I just I yeah. just love that. I thought that was great. <laughs> when you literally live under the sea, <laughs> yeah. and are you ever going to be playing football? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was just a natural. But yeah, I just thought that was, uh, I thought that was funny, you know, where she's like yeah. knocking them into into water into the fountain so boom kick that kid into the fountain boom kicks that other kid (laughs) smack the ball into those kids into the fountain and then i love that that last kid is like putting his hands up and like launches the ball at um was it is it a guy watering his plants or something knocks that onto his head and uh and then she's like you know let's see like one of her rivals bianca do that and then she picks up the last kid and just throws him into the fountain. <laughs> I thought that physically yeah. was a very funny moment. It's like you've yeah, done all that. It was. You've done all that stealthily, and then the last kid, you just fucking yeah. body slam him into the water. How is no one like reporting them <laughs> yeah. for child abuse, though? I don't. I don't know 
Like, what are they doing? Where is the mum and dad? Just like, what the hell is this woman doing with my child? <laughs> yeah. She just like suplexed yeah. him into the body. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how do they not get arrested yeah. for like physical abuse, <laughs> battery and stuff with a football, yeah. you know? <laughs> oh, gosh. Right. Screenplay score for me, for Luca. I think I'll go like a 7.8, I think. Uh, yeah. I really like the uh, the embracement of, of Italian culture yeah. in this film, the feel of that and the story of that, but I just think the stakes are just yeah, not, they're there, not there. Really. You know? Yeah, they're not there, really. No, I, I do completely agree with you. I was actually going to be a little harsher on it, so I'm glad you, you know, it's nice that you were. Oh, okay. Um, but I was going to be like a 7 Either a seven point one or a seven point two. I think I'll go a seven point two. Okay. But no, I, I do completely agree with you. I do think it's a it's a fairly nice sort of mm. chilled movie where you can just kind of put it on in the background. Yeah. I think what I really like about it is the visuals. You know, I, I'm not gonna. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Like mm. visually, I think it's it's stunning. But I do agree. Like when it comes to the plot, you can sort of put it on in the background. And mm. I think we've kind of hit the nail on the head. There really aren't any stakes. I mean, do you feel like Pixar now are running out of ideas? Oh no, I don't. Or... I don't think they'll ever run out of ideas. No, yeah. but I feel like likes of Andrew Stanton, Pete Doctor, Brad Bird. You know, they were the great Pixar directors of their golden age of kind of like the noughties, early teens huh. of the twenty first century. They're in obviously very higher up roles now <laughs> in Pixar. They, they always do kind of like executive producing roles. I think Pete Doctor is the head of Pixar now. Mm. I think, yes, he directed Soul as well, which I really like. So, you know, they're, le- they're letting a lot of other new new voices come through. But I'm not sure just the talent is maybe there compared to those three and others mm. coming through at Pixar at the moment. Because, I mean, if you look at just at the Oscars... Then, then I haven't won many recently. It's been other studios. I mean, they still make incredible films, but their bar is extremely high yeah, no, <laughs> with their other films. Yeah. So, voice acting. Then I liked Jack Dylan Grazer uh, in the film as Alberto, but I felt like his personality didn't come through enough for me, especially when you compare it to his role in Shazam. He's awesome in that film. I didn't tell it was the kid from Shazam until I looked him up. Compare that to Jacob Tremblay as Luca. I was like, yeah, that's Jacob Tremblay. I recognize his personality and his voice alone. And I didn't get that with Jack Dylan Grazer, especially because he was so good in Shazam. Mm. Uh, Not to say that he was bad. I just thought he could have been better, possibly. As to like his voice actor, like uh, I knew nothing about his voice actor, and that's kind of news to me that he was in Shazam. He was uh, quite funny uh, and kind of clueless most of the time. Emma Burnham uh, as Julia is amazing. I thought she brought this brilliant, like hyperactive voice mm. uh, to her voice acting, but it wasn't annoying in any way. The way she goes so naturally into these Italian sayings uh, was so satisfying to hear. I love that stuff from her. I thought she was great. Mm. My favorite character has to be Uncle Ugo, and I can't believe he only has one scene. Yeah, and it's just like this. This guy is amazing. Yeah. Why has he only got one scene? Yeah. And obviously played by Sasha Baron Cohen. Uncle Ugo, you know, he's this amazing, like, deep sea creature with see through skin, <laughs> you know, and he says, my favorite line, you know, the mouth opened, 
the whale carcass go in. Yes, good. I recommend it. <laughs> you know, his performance is so amazing. And it's very just like, wow, where the hell is this guy <laughs> come from? When you're watching it, it gives the film a real boost yeah. for me. You know, he brings this playful, weird creepiness to the role, which is so entertaining to watch and to hear. And it baffles me that he only gets one scene. Well, he shows up in the uh, at, at end credits yeah. as well. Oh, really? Yeah. I stopped watching. Oh, <laughs> man. You... Oh, shit. <laughs> this is why you've always... It doesn't matter, Marvel yeah. film or not. But, yeah, he's... Is he the big bad coming in? <laughs> in Pixar. Yeah, it would be interesting, yeah. Get, gets two yeah. gauntlets on. And... <laughs> Yeah. Gets the Pixar stones. Where are those whale carcasses? <laughs> yeah. Whale carcass got in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Please. Yes, half of all whale carcass. <laughs> I mean there were plenty in the in the Hudson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Well he shows up at the end credits. He's like in the, the darkness of the ocean eating whale carcass. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Google that. Google that up. Yeah. But yeah, I, I yeah, he was a really good character. It was kind of strange though, to give him one scene. I don't get it, to be honest. Mm. So it would have been interesting to see... Well, I guess he's not a sea monster, but he could have only been in scenes underwater. So I guess I'm just trying to think. You can't. You probably can't fit him in anywhere. Mm. But he was such a compelling, really, really interesting character that I, I wanted to see him again, and it was just such a shame that you don't. It's just annoying you write like such an amazing character that you that can't come in again into your story. Yeah. It's just like, oh, come on, people. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he makes such an impact yeah. that he is actually my favourite performance with Sacha Baron Cohen. <laughs> he is. Yeah, no, definitely, yeah. He, it, it is, uh, I think he is a, the st- a standout performance. And yeah, you're right. It is so bizarre that he's only there for like a couple of seconds and then that's it. I, I think Urkele does a, do, you know, whoever does Urkele does a, a good job of being a wanker, you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Favourite performance? Uh, I think mine might be Alberto. Jack Dylan Grazer. Uh, so voice acting score for me. Yeah, I think it's really good. It's it's really solid. I think I probably prefer the performances in uh, Monsters Inc. But I I do like the kind of Italian influences here mm. in the voice acting, especially from uh, Julia. Uh, I thought she was great. She'll probably be my number two. Oh, one of the things I found I found strange is like um, is like Luca's mother. Like doesn't sound Italian at all. She sounds Jewish. No. <laughs> she's like she's <laughs> yeah, like well, a million miles away from everybody else. Well, she's on um, Saturday Saturday Night Live, isn't she? Maya Rudolph yeah. in um, Bridesmaids. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, her voice and her husband's voice—they're mm. they're just completely different from the rest of the cast. They're Americans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not Italian. not Italian at all. So I'll probably go like a solid eight. Oh, as voice acting school. I think I'll go a 7.9. Nice. Actually, I'll go in it. I'll go an 8, actually. I'll go oh. an 8. <laughs> yeah. Right, let's add up the scores then for Luca. Luca gets a very respectable 48.5. So Monsters, Inc. One, wins this one with 52.4. I think, you know, it's probably one of the great Pixar films still mm. to this day, I would say. I would still probably put it in my top five yeah it is an incredible um, movie. maybe even top three i don't know mm. next episode as thor is thor four hitting our screens again which is amazing yes thor thor, thor. love and thunder yeah. thor versus batman the ultimate <laughs> fight don't say batman will win with preparation time <laughs> i mean come yes, on he will. 
Everyone on the internet says that. Oh, Batman wins if he has preparation time. No, shut up. <laughs> yeah, if with prep he's got he'll develop an anti-Thor armor, anti-Thor batarangs. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Thor is messed up. You know, he's gonna mess him up. <laughs> Magic hammer. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I thought we'll go the director route with this one, and we're gonna focus on Taika Waititi films. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll have a guest for that one from the Haven't Seen It, a movie podcast. Wait, you haven't seen it? Uh, no, because... How disrespectful. Because you, you have to hear it, because it's podcast. Oh, okay, yeah, that's so true. You can't see nothing. Uh, okay. Unless they do video. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. We'll hopefully have them as guests for the next episode. Yeah, and I won't be as tired there when that happens, hopefully. <laughs> yes. So... Thanks, Boaz, or rather Zombie Boaz. Thank you very much for coming on again. Bye-bye. Uh, see you. <laughs> you can go to sleep now. Bye. Yeah, I can go to sleep. I'm going to sleep right, right here. That's it for this week's pod. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. But don't stop there. Get involved and tell us what your favourite films are relating to the episodes. Send us a DM or comment on Instagram and TikTok at Film vs. Film Podcast for Twitter at FVF underscore podcast. If you do, we'll give you a shout out on the next episode. If you're feeling really generous, you can buy us a one-off coffee at our Buy Me A Coffee account. Remember, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe. Pod signing off. Thank you.